Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Whether you're a baby boomer or a millennial, it doesn't seem to matter. A common concern is always money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Well, this morning, we are privileged to have Greg Villiers with us on the radio program. He is the chief U.S. policy strategist for AGF Investments. We've had him on the program before. Always does a great job with us this morning. And uh, I'm just looking forward to hearing the comments that he has about not only the Ukraine war, but the Federal Reserve, Republicans, and the House of Representatives, and all those things. And, of course, the last question we're going to ask him, is Mr. Donald Trump preparing to announce his candidacy for president again of the United States. So welcome to the program, sir. Great to be with you, Jim. Thank you, sir. Now, I also have Scott Jordan with me in the studio, and we're going to kind of, he's got some thoughts and questions for you also. So Scott's going to kind of pick in. Scott, welcome to the program, sir. Great to be here, Jim. All right. Now, let's just start right off, Greg. I mean, you are, you have just done such a great job of putting things together. And I know you do a lot of this and talk to a lot of people, but from from your chair, when you think about what's going on with the Ukraine war, you're, the first question I really would like to lean in on is, when do you think the Western countries that are supporting Ukraine are going to get kind of frustrated and tired of sending billions of dollars? And yet we our heart goes out. We have a desire to help. But you see that beginning to, I guess, the fatigue of that amount of money and this war just not going away. Yeah, and the other big factor, Jim, is is the the inability to get any kind of uh, negotiations going, which means that the inflation coming out of this war, inflation on food, fuel, fertilizer, metals, that inflation will persist until we get the war uh, under control. If this goes into the winter, a lot of Western countries. Uh, we've already seen it in France, uh, will begin to squirm if their public is uh, cold, hungry. Uh, I think that could be a real problem for Western Europe and a real problem for Joe Biden. When you talk about that, I mean, I can understand. Does this look anything similar to what we saw in World War II? I mean, we're, we're, we're the, I hate to compare the two, but I mean, it, I gotta, there's some things, and I'm not a history person, but I read a lot about it. And I just, do you feel that maybe we're kind of seeing a repeat of that type of mindset, that type of totalitarianism, that type of just greed from Mr. Putin? And just your thoughts. I'm just asking the question. Yeah, there are some comparisons that are, that seem to be valid, Jim. Uh, first of all, Putin is a ruthless dictator uh, who doesn't really care about his troops, how many are sacrificed. I think maybe 25,000 have been killed uh, in this war, uh, and he's determined to, to move forward. Uh, I guess the real key point will come in 
the next couple of months, when he takes all of the Donbass area in eastern Ukraine, will that be it? Will he move on to Kiev? Will he move on to Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia? I, I don't know. I don't think so. I think Putin will stop at that point. But if we can't get some negotiations going, uh, it's going to be a cold winter in the West. Yeah, that's a, that's the tough part. I, I have some dear friends of ours that live in Moldova, and I just feel that, and they feel the pressure, the refugees, the the ideas, yep. the, what's going on there. It's just, it's really much, much greater than it was when we thought when February that this might be a quick war, but no, it's turned out to be a disaster. My hope is at some point somebody takes out Putin quite quite bluntly. Uh, I don't see it now. It's hard to get to him. Uh, a lot of his generals are not happy with this war. Uh, something like a dozen generals have been killed, Russian generals. And I think the generals are tired of seeing young Russians uh, killed uh, in this war. They would like to get a, a compromise. I'm not sure Putin is on board. Yeah, that's, that's the key right there. Well, we know that uh, some of Hitler's close associates were attempting uh, several times to take mm-hmm. him out and were, were unsuccessful. We, I do, I have the same yep. sentiment that it would be nice to just, if he was removed, I think we could get to the table much quicker from that standpoint. Well, let me ask you this yep, question, kind of go into another thought. Uh, you know, sure. we, we see this idea, you talked about inflation. Um, Mr. You know, Powell is, um, you know, the chair of the Federal Reserve. Um, he's hawkish right now. He, he feels like that, you know, mm-hmm. Yeah, he's talking about another time of 75 basis points. Do you think that's going to change as we get into the fall? As you see him beginning to look at maybe not being as hawkish with the Federal Reserve in the rate hikes? That's really the key question right now for the markets. Could the Fed uh, decide that, that aggressive tightening is not a good idea? I mean, in the last few days, we've seen a dramatic development, and that has been a, a sharp drop in the price for a lot of commodities, energy, grain, metals. Uh, and we've seen signs that the economy is starting to slow. So the Fed's going to keep raising rates uh, another 75 basis points later this month, another move in September. Uh, I think the Fed's playing with fire if they keep tightening as the economy weakens. So my belief, uh, I'm out on a limb, but my belief is starting at the September meeting, they're going to lessen it up. They're going to lighten up on the tightening because the economy is slowing. When you talk about the economy slowing, are are we in a recession? I mean, that's going to be the question that so many people, and again, I understand that we can talk about that and we can predict that and we can say some things, but but, I mean, I don't know if it feels like that I'm in a recession. What do you think? I am not convinced that we're in a recession yet for two reasons. Number one, there's still a ton of money that we haven't spent from the last two or three years of COVID relief, infrastructure spending. States like California are flush with cash. Individuals are in pretty good shape. And number two, the unemployment rate, as we uh, talk right now, is at 3.6%. Really hard to see a recession with unemployment under 4%. Yeah, and that's kind of the feel. I mean, when you think about recession, you would expect the unemployment rate to begin to go up. We have people now doing the reshuffling act, changing jobs. And with the, you know, we've got on the horizon out here a recession. You know, I just don't think people even see that. And that's that's what I'm concerned about is we can't really, if we continue the rate hikes and this hawkish mindset, we might end up not landing the plane, but crashing the plane. 
Mm-hmm. I, I think you can overdo it. And I think, Jim, you could make an argument that the Fed has been behind the curve for the last year and a half. They missed inflation 15 months ago. They, they certainly missed it last winter. Then they overreacted and began tightening maybe too aggressively. And now, as inflation maybe starts to level off, as the economy starts to weaken, the Fed's going to tighten aggressively. It's, it's, it seems to me that the markets get it right, but the Fed is always a few months behind the curve. Yeah, that's kind of like uh, weather reporting. You don't have to be accurate all the time. <laughs> that's kind of that's my thought. Uh, you right. know, and I wouldn't. I hate to be a Monday morning quarterback, but you know, I think we all could have kind of felt like the inflation was coming when we get so much money. I mean, there was more money on the balance sheets of personal balance sheets than we've probably seen in fifty years, and all of a sudden we have no. You know, the supply was just it was shut off at the, at the borders, and so. I, you know, it's kind of like that. That's I even remember that in economics 101. You know, I, I can remember that. And you know, this is a period where the economy, let's say by next spring, could need a little stimulus. And I would argue that the new Congress after the November elections is going to be stingier. Uh, the House will be controlled by the Republicans. So I think uh, spending might actually go down. Ordinarily, I'd say that's a good thing. But with a, with a weakening economy, I'm not sure. Uh, the budget deficit, by the way, has come down dramatically in the last year. That's the key right there. Yeah, that's a great point. So you do see a Republican House and Senate? Is that what you're thinking, too, or just the House? Senate is a tough call, and I'll probably wait until the fall before I make a final <laughs> prediction there. A lot of interesting races, you know, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire. Uh, but the House, to me, is a pretty easy call. The Republicans only need a pickup of five seats net, and I think they'll get 15 or 20, and I'm on the low side. There are some analysts who think it could be 20, 25, even 30. So, yes, I think Nancy Pelosi will be replaced as Speaker by uh, Kevin McCarthy. That's quite a difference. And I think policies, including the Biden agenda, are going to be uh, stalled. I don't think we're going to get much more out of the Biden agenda in terms of taxes or spending. You know, the, when you say, say that, the market has a tendency to believe when we have that stymied mindset. In other words, nothing's really going to go on. The market seems to like that. Your thoughts about that? Couldn't agree more, my friend. I think uh, gridlock is good. Uh, I think the markets, uh, an old friend of mine on Wall Street once told me, uh, gridlock is good because it means they do less harm. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And if you have one house controlled by the uh, Democrats, one house controlled by the Republicans, you don't get a lot done. And there's been another big, big development from the Supreme Court, and that's a ruling against regulations. Uh, they ruled last Thursday that the Environmental Protection Agency couldn't overdo it. They had to consult with Congress. And I think this has applications for financial services, for antitrust. All of these regulatory policies, I think, will be less aggressive coming out of the Supreme Court ruling. I, you know, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think it's, it's important to hear that from you because you know you've got your thoughts in that process all the time as you're listening and talking to people. Let me ask you this question because I think a lot of us look at what, what, what some of the programs that Mr. Trump put into place back four years ago or six years ago now were, were positive, and yet some maybe not so much. Well, what about the China 
tariffs. Are we kind of thinking about me? I mean, I heard it the other day that there may be some easing and thinking about removing some of the China tariffs. Is that really possible? We may remove some. Uh, the White House is so desperate to show that they're doing something about inflation. Uh, the president has proposed a gas tax holiday, which is going nowhere. I think it's a gimmick. Uh, he's now talking about lifting tariffs, as you say. I think it you know, could have a modest impact on inflation, might reduce inflation by three or four tenths of one percent but it's not a huge deal i I think there'll be something for everyone uh, to complain about uh i don't think it'll really improve u.s china relations dramatically but at the margin you know it it may help a bit uh to to ease up on some of these tariffs but many of the trump tariffs will stay i don't think they're all going to be lifted Mm, that's a great point. I think it's important for us to be, you know, not trying to be the predictor or the idea behind this. Let's, let's come up with some great prediction. But if if I had to nail down my thoughts and I wanted you to nail down your thoughts, are we going to see more inflation or are you talking about maybe an ease of inflation? You talked about commodities, oil, gas, food. Some of the prices are beginning to come down. Unemployment staying yep. down at 3.6. Or by October the 1st, what are you what are you thinking inflation's going to be? It'll be down a little still a lot higher than we would like. I think a lot of commodities, as you say, like grain and energy, gasoline prices will be down uh, a bit. But with the labor market this hot, you can't find workers. If you need workers, you've got to offer a very hefty salary, sign-up bonuses, things like that. I think the labor market is crucial. And as long as the labor market has virtual full employment, and we're at 3.6% unemployment right now, it's going to be tough to get inflation to come down a, a lot. But I, th- I think we've peaked. I think by winter, inflation will be lower. But it'll still probably be at 3 4%, which is almost twice as much as the Fed would like. Uh, the target being 2%. So you're talking about still yeah. being higher than what we really need it to be. Yeah, I, I, I think something at, at around 4% as we get into the winter, I, I'd be happy with, but it still isn't good enough. Do you think because of what's going on in Europe and the, the, the desire, you know, what? Are, you talked about this earlier, they're getting, they're losing their patience, they're losing their fatigue mm-hmm. of the Ukraine war. But there's also a political mindset. We're losing, we're losing, I, I guess, the, the, the feeling we, we have more more stress more more problems we've got shootings we've got just just the anxiety of what's going on in our country in that question the question that i led with earlier that i said you would be talk about do you think mr trump is preparing to announce that he's going to run for president in 2024 apparently so jim he's certainly sent signals have been reports in the New York Times and elsewhere that he it's just a question of when will he make the announcement not whether he'll make the announcement you know I've talked to a lot of Republicans who were quite agitated at the prospect that Trump might announce in August because the Republicans had thought that they had a clear path to taking over at least the House in November because they've got some good issues. Uh, They can run on inflation, a a shaky economy, urban crime, and all of a sudden there's a distraction called Donald Trump. And I think the Republicans would view Trump as an annoyance that could maybe hurt their chances to win 
uh, the House in November. And a lot of Republicans I talk to say, off the record, uh, they're sick of relitigating the 2020 election. It's over. And I think the Republicans would like to move on with an agenda for the future, and Trump doesn't fit into their plans. So there's a great division in the party uh, over this. Trump has a phenomenally strong base. People are still loyal to him. But I detect that even though people are loyal to him, a growing aversion to him running again, that he would perhaps hurt the party overall. And there's some new, new players. I mean, in the last few months, we've seen the emergence of Ron DeSantis, the Florida governor, has a big, big player. And there are several others who want to run right away, including Mike Pompeo, the former Secretary of State. So Trump will not have a clear path if he announces. In fact, he'll have some Republicans grumbling over him hogging the spotlight. Mm, so just getting through the primary could be a challenge for Mr. Trump. It could be, and he still is not out of the woods yet on litigation. There are still issues in Georgia and elsewhere where he may, and of course the uh, January 6th committee, which may try to uh, have a referral to indict him. So there's still a lot of controversy. Uh, and again, the irony here is that the Republicans have a good agenda shaping up for the 2022 election, and it could get obscured by Trump. You know what, Greg, why don't you and I run for the office? I mean, uh, I'll, I'll vote for you for president, and I'll go. I'll be your second you know, vice president. Because, you know, bottom line is you and I could probably fix this. It wouldn't be much worse, uh, but uh, you, you, you couldn't pay me enough money to just take that shot. Amen. I agree with you 100%. Greg Valliere yeah. is our guest. He is the chief U.S. policy strategist for AGF Investments. Always does a phenomenal job for us, sir. Thank you so much, and you have a wonderful day. appreciate you. We'll get back with you when we get an update coming up for the end of the summer. We're looking forward to talking to you again, Greg. Thank you, sir. All right. I enjoyed it, Jim. You take care. Yes, sir. As always, he does a wonderful job for us, and we so much appreciate it. He brings a lot to the table. And, uh, Scott, what's your take? What's your thoughts? Well, I kind of agree with most of what he said. You know, I, I was a little disappointed he wouldn't make a call on the Senate, but I understand <laughs> that. That's a, that's a little shakier, a little harder to call. But, no, I, I agree with him, and, you know, I like to hear his thoughts on Trump. I think that that is that's going to be interesting to watch that unfold and see how that unfolds if he does in fact decide to run or if he if he bows out and and lets somebody like DeSantis take the spotlight. Yeah, what did you think about the thought about the fatigue when it comes to the Ukraine war? I th I think I think it's not even just the Ukraine war. Think about what all everybody's been through for the last few years. Every every bit of uncertainty, every bit of crisis, and it seems like it's just more and more and more. And I think people are fatigued of all of that. Yeah, so, yeah, the pandemic and and just absolutely. this everything. Yeah, this absolutely. the anxiety. You know, we ought to have our psychologist on that we have a couple of times a year. Jim, you're not supposed to tell people we have a psychologist. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll have my personal psychologist. I hear you. No, you know, I know. No, just... All right. I know what you mean. Yeah, I appreciate it. You know, the reality is, um, I mean, he talked a little bit about the Fed and Mr. Powell being a little hawkish, maybe. What's your thing? Talk there. You know, I've been I, I've been wondering if the Fed would be able to make it all the way. I think my my prediction at the beginning was they wouldn't be able to go as far as as they needed to. Uh, but I, you know, even even Greg was saying that he thought inflation would remain a little high. So I think if they're committed to that two percent, they may indeed have to continue raising rates. Now I think it's right they're playing with fire by 
raising into a potentially slowing economy. So we'll keep an eye on that and see how that unfolds. So overall, when you think about what he does inside the belt in Washington and works with, you know, the investment company, AGF Investments, and is their U.S. policy strategist, what I appreciate from him is he's got the global look. Yep. And he goes from Europe and he looks at China. And and if we could summarize what he said, I, I really felt like that there's this, you know, steady as we go, a lot of turmoil, sure. but no crisis at this point. No crisis at this point. And, you know, from the standpoint of an investor, which is what you and I do and what we always looked at things for, I think you have to remember that the most important thing about politics is politics is not the most important thing. (laughs) Well said. I'll have to talk to my psychologist about that. (laughs) Yes, sir. Coming up next, when we get back, we've got Daniel Irwin from the Better Business Bureau and Rob Clement's going to talk about from our office. He's going to talk about the idea behind elder abuse and what scams we have going on in our lovely city of Memphis, Tennessee. You do not want to miss this. These guys have got some great material. You're going to find out so much about what we need to be talking to our family and friends about. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Neither Shoemaker Financial nor Securian Financial Services are affiliated with Greg Villiers or AGF Investments, Daniel Irwin, or the Better Business Bureau. The views and opinions expressed are those of Greg Villiers and Daniel Irwin only and have not been presented on behalf of or endorsed by Securian Financial Services, Inc. or Shoemaker Financial. Helping you make the most of your money. Talk money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate and when redeemed may be worth more or less than when originally invested. Helping you make the most of your money. It's time for Talk Money. Now, your host, Jim Shoemaker. Welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. I want to remind you that you can find our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to the podcast. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a review. We would appreciate it. And additionally, if you have a question that you would like to be answered on the air, send that question to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we will get your question on the air. We are for you. We want you to know that. We want to you to uh, understand that we're here doing a program that is entertaining, obviously. And we hope it is educationally and informing you about what's going on in the world of finances and the market and economics. And today we're going to inform you about what's going on in our city when it comes to scams and, you know, fraud and all those things and elder abuse. Rob Clement, Daniel Orwin are with me, and uh, Scott's going to continue to be a part of the program as we just enter into a dialogue here about something that is so critical in uh, in our city, so critical in our nation. It's uh, when we get anxiety and stress and you're looking at all the stuff going on around us, all of a sudden, we're susceptible to that phone call that says, okay, here's what you should be doing. Or maybe you've got somebody that just says, I'm going to take advantage. You don't mean to take advantage, but you start, next thing you know, you're being taken advantage of, and that person maybe didn't start out to do that, but it ends up being a problem. It could be a family member. It could be a next-door neighbor. It could be a caregiver. It could, it's usually that person that the older person trusts. Rob Clement, 
when we talk about elder abuse, you are my expert go-to person. This is a this is a crime that is difficult and almost almost impossible to investigate because it happens to somebody and they don't tell anybody. Jim, that's so true. Uh, you just look around your neighborhood or in your apartment complex and you just see people that look to be happy and uh, peaceful, but yet, you know, there's a lot of turmoil out there and there are people that are seeking to take advantage of, particularly the elderly. And we've got to be on the watch for that. So we need to look over our back fences and next door neighbors just to make sure that that particular elderly person is okay. And particularly we see it in the financial areas. We can see it from family members to caregivers that are reaching out and sometimes abusing those elderly. You know, when you talk about the different types of mistreatment, and we talk about physical abuse, sexual abuse, psychological or emotional abuse, neglect, but you mentioned the one that we want to talk about today, financial abuse. And you said, and it's kind of shocking, but what you see from statistics and from what reports come in, it's from the family member or the caregiver that is a lot of times the culprit that's doing the abuse. That's right. And we're going to talk about seven warning signs also. And, and that happens as other family members watch their family member that's their loved one, and they can be really to identify if a family member is being abused by another family member or by a caregiver. And uh, one of the signs that we'll talk about is we'll see that they are isolated. So that elderly person needs to have someone reach out to them, let them know, hey, you're being cared for, we love you, and we want to make sure that everything's okay with you. Now, what happens is they don't get that call and all of a sudden they get a call from somebody else that is going to be an abuser. Yeah, that's the problem. Now, Scott, you actually have a case that you were working with someone, and that isolation that Rob's talking about, you actually begin to see it, and your training said, wait a second, got to work on this. What did you find? And the the sad thing was this was happening through a a caregiver that was actually referred from a reliable source, but uh, the caregiver... What they were doing was really, first of all, the isolation was kind of, you know, blowing problems with the kids out of proportion and things like that and kind of feeding into this particular uh, person's mind that their kids didn't want anything to do with them. So they kind of isolated them first and built that trust with these with this particular individual. And and before you know it, they were uh, taking money out of his bank account uh, had financial documents, I mean, sorry, legal documents changed to make them the beneficiary and power of attorney over his affairs. So it was spiraling out of control really quickly. Now, luckily, it was noticed quickly by, by myself and some others, and we got, we got some help in there and, and got, got the bank notified and things and got it to stop. But it just goes to show you that some of the most trusted individuals can take advantage of the elderly and and when there's nobody there, there's no family member there, there's nobody that can come in and notice that, uh, that can be a real problem. You know, that is such an issue because we're talking about, Rob, financial abuse, the elder, the, the idea, the caregiver, the, the, the isolation. 
We talk about new people in their lives. Daniel Irwin from the Better Business Bureau, I know you've had some issues with that new person in their life. Yeah, and just just one point, what you're describing is brainwashing, and that's mm -hmm. one of the reasons why it's so hard to investigate and prosecute these crimes is because when the police come in, they ask the victim, and they're like, no, 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 this person's helping me, right? So, you know, that's that's something that's really hard, but it's brainwashing. These people, you know, these, these, these victims are being brainwashed by, you know, uh, people, and so that's one of the reasons why it's so important that we check on our loved ones. Um, we actually got a phone call a couple weeks ago at the Better Business Bureau. It was a gentleman from St. Paul, Minnesota, whose father uh, was retired military and lived in Millington. And the, the, the son had been going through um, financial records and noticed very large amounts of money and very strange things going on in the guy's bank account. And he confronted his dad about it. And turns out that the father had met a woman at church who was living with him and taking care of him, but she was also driving his car and using his credit cards and just spending money left and right. And he contacted the police and they went to him and they couldn't do anything because the guy was doing it of his own free will. So he had been brainwashed. And so, um, you know, you got to check on your on your people. I mean, you know, that's one of the, the number one thing that you can do is just be present in people's lives, I think. Yeah, and I think, you know, you, you talked about the brainwashing. That was definitely taking place. And I think one of the, the sadder things about these kinds of stories, and I noticed this with this, was the embarrassment when they realized what was going on yeah. and they didn't, you know, you talked about the cases being unreported. I think a lot of times it's that shame and embarrassment that they should have known better and, and they were taken advantage of and they don't really want anybody to know about it. And then there's the fear that their things are going to get taken away, right? So they've been taken advantage of. They do, they may know it, but they're not going to tell anybody because then they may get their actual stuff taken away, right? Then then steps may be taken by loved ones to make sure that doesn't happen again and they lose their independence. And where we've seen that in our world as an advisor is that they all of a sudden come in and they want to switch advisors because they believe that you're no longer their ally, that right. you're now potentially against them or they're embarrassed like you mentioned daniel uh to be able to say oh yeah i did make a poor financial decision i trusted this person so uh this is kind of sounding like jim to me military talk isolation brainwashing sounds like uh you know we've well, got to be on the watch out for you know, that thing, type of action i want our listeners to understand we we are for you so therefore we're trying to provide you some information and here, here's the thought. You either as the daughter or son, maybe you're the child, you're taking care of mom and dad, you're working with them, and you got these things going on. You need to be sensitive to that as this St. Paul's son was with his dad. The reality is maybe you're a neighbor and you've got someone who is that senior citizen, that elder, and, and you need to be just sensitive to that. You need to, you need to, we, we need to all look out for each other, and especially when you think maybe something's going on, be that trusted neighbor, that trusted person at church that steps in and, oh, we're doing something, Rob, at church. Well, we're going to work with some of our widows and where we're looking to come alongside and do some, some you know, maybe some upkeep in their homes or repairs in their homes, but also just being a friend. I know, Scott, we've got one that we've worked with for now over two years that we've just tried to be a friend. To Absolutely. Try, and just to, not the advisor per se, but uh, we've had cases where the, the police has been called, you know, we've got domestic abuse, all those things that happen, and it's real, and it happens in our society. So I want to make sure we've covered isolation. You mentioned that. New people in their lives. Daniel, you, that's a, you know, I can so easily see that happening. And nobody was, I know the largest case in the history of Tennessee 
the largest financial abuse case was in excess of a million dollars, and the guy did not report him and did not want to send the guy to jail because he was his friend. Yeah, and that 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 fear, that desire not right. to admit it, not to not to be ashamed of what I did. And we're coming off of three years that everyone's been isolated. So yeah. it's so easy to, 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 to do that now, right? Because everybody is coming off of three years of just total isolation. So we've talked a little bit about, you know, Scott, you mentioned the idea of changing some financial documents. That was the big red flag that kind of ran up the you know, left flagpole for you. And, and Rob, you mentioned, the you know, encountering a new gatekeeper, a new person in a person's life that you, you know, where did that person come from? That it was not, does the, the, do the kids know about this person? Do the next door neighbors know about this person? What about changing email addresses and, and changing numbers and changing bank accounts? Yes, that's another one of those seven warning signs there. That if all of a sudden you're saying, gee, what happened to your last email? Or I tried your phone number and I couldn't get you. It's a sign that they're maybe being counseled to uh, to switch their phone numbers it's just so that the person can, again, isolate them and keep them in their own claws, if you would. So make sure you know what's going on in that person's life. And then uh, so, uh, any kind of unusual behavior, Jim, uh, we just need to be aware of that. Daniel mentioned some things there that happened here locally and a son was aware of that and, and got on it real quickly. And I know that that's something that we all want to do is we all want to make sure that the money's not being given away to some prankster. And, uh, I, I had a, uh, a case where I heard a person call that type person, a social parasite. Mm, that's a and that word. is what they're doing. They yeah. are getting on that person and they're living off of them. Daniel, you actually mentioned that a couple of months ago when we had you on the program about uh, giving and because of the things that happened in Uvalde, the things that happened to Ukraine, the whole idea behind that, that charitable gift and their fraud. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it, it, it's really sad, but it's evil. Right. Yeah, it it really evil. is. I mean, it's, it's evil incarnate. Like it's, it's, that's what it is. When people take advantage of these types of situations, you know, it's evil. I think one of the things, guys, let's make sure we cover these tips or these flags that we need to be very much aware of, because again, we're talking to people pay attention, I guess, what we're saying to everybody, because I think the reality is, listen, these are warning signs. These are red flags. Isolation, big number one. Daniel, you want to, I mean, that's a, that's a biggie. Yeah, I, isolation would be the big one, I would think. That starts the, that start when you, all of a sudden you sense that's going on. All of a sudden the new person in a person's life, that uh, the, the person that's, you know, just out of the clear blue from church. I mean, you never know uh, because it's hard for that person to vet somebody. I mean, Scott, you were talking about that. The caregivers that you were really witnessing taking over had been referred by a reputable referral source. And they so were. you would have expected that to be a good referral. And that didn't happen. Yeah, correct. And, and you know, I think it was, you know, the, the big one was when, when you know, he had told me that he had made them his power of attorney. And that's when I started asking deeper questions like, how long have you known these people? Right. Where, you know, where did you meet these people? That's a big step to make somebody a power of attorney. Absolutely. So, and I also think, you know, to make a point, just because you think someone's reputable doesn't mean they are. So, you know what I mean? Like, just because it comes from someone that you trust doesn't mean you can necessarily trust that person that's in the home of your loved one. Right? So vet them. Right. Check them out. Do some research. 
I know, Rob, the last tip that you talk about is malnutrition and depression. I know that's important. Share that with our, our audience, what we're talking about. Yeah, in our world, uh, particularly as we sit close to uh, our clients, uh, we begin to see things with them. Uh, and one of the things that I happen to have noticed with some folks is the fact that uh, they don't look the same. They've lost weight or they have kind of shrunk back in their demeanor and not as engaging in their conversation. And so those are things that we really watch for and uh, make sure that those are being brought out to their caregivers or their family members. Excellent, excellent, guys. I think we've covered a great subject. I hope we're telling you, if you've got to have, if you've got to possibly want to report something, let me give you the telephone number here for the local Memphis and Shelby County. You can call here in the city, 901-222-4400. Or, of course, Daniel, you can always call the Better Business Bureau. Right, you can call us at 901-759-1300, and we can find real numbers for you. We can connect you with the resources that you need. And that's critical. Now, let me talk about something that's going on in our city right now that's not new, and that is the direct TV scam. I've gotten it. I know of a person that got them on the phone and they're working on his TV. And can you tell us a little bit about yeah. So this isn't a new scam, but this is one that's hitting the rounds again. And they're using inflation as their pitch. And I believe we actually have audio of the call. That's right. We do. Let's play the audio. Hi there. I'm calling you from AT&T DirecTV to let you know that your existing account is qualified for 50% off. In order to avail the discount, kindly call us back at 888-207-6632 from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you, and have a great day. You know, I, I listen to that, and I have to admit that I get chills when I hear that because how easy would it be someone, 7.30 in the morning, 7.30 at night, you know, that I'm, a, I'm a good customer. I pay in my bills. I get a 50% discount to just make the phone call. Right. And to, to give you an idea, this this scam is actively taking people's money in the Mid-South. We've had 59 reports of this exact call since the beginning of 2022, but an alarming 22 reports over the last two weeks with 19 people losing $600 each. Because they say, if you give us $600, we'll right. give you this for the next so two years. I'm going to break this scam down. So like I said, in the last few weeks, we've had 22 reports of, of scammers posing as DirecTV reps with 19 people losing $600 each. The phony reps contacted the victims via text and the phone calls like that, uh, offering a sweet deal with all the premium channels for only $100 a month. Oh my goodness. The caller claims because you're a loyal customer, they want to help you save money due to inflation and that you qualify for 50% off your bill. The catch is you have to pay six months in advance using gift cards. Oh. The scammers are so good, they can even change your programming while you're on the phone with them to make it appear they work for DirecTV. And many victims fell for it because the scammers were able to access their TVs and DirecTV showed up on their caller ID. And when the premium channels suddenly disappeared, the victims called the real company and confirmed that they were scammed. Oh, my goodness. To think about it, I'm on the phone. I've got, you know, DirecTV, AT&T. I'm a loyal customer. I, you know, I'm, I use yeah. it. My dish is working. Everything's good. And they all of a sudden, I got all the channels. Thank you so much. And I hang up and they're gone. Right. And to play this out, had you called that number, that eight, that eight, three, eight number that it, that it played, they would answer the phone, direct TV, and probably giving you some kind of phony badge number or some, you know, ID Just to number. Just get you going. Yeah. And so also, the longer you're on the phone with them, 
keep in mind, these people are in call centers with computers. So they know your name. You're inadvertently giving them more information. They're looking you up on Facebook. The more time you're on the phone with them, the more information they gather and the more time they have to gather more information about you to add to their sales pitch. You know, when you were talking about that, you mentioned something earlier when we were preparing for the program called Truth Finder. Right. So Truth Finder is something we actually use at the BBB, and there's several versions of it out there, but essentially it's a, it's a service that you, you pay for, but you can search anybody's name, and it'll pull up all the public records nationwide for that person. So all of the loan documents they've ever signed, all of the mortgages they have, all of their addresses, all of all of their licenses, all of their, their you know speeding tickets, anything you want to know about anybody – Anybody can, can can do these public record searches for, for dollars a name, Tyler, right? Tyler's our producer. Tyler, why don't you do me a favor? Look up Dan. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but th- so, so when you call these call centers, keep in mind, these are huge call centers, usually overseas. And so people have computers. And the longer they're talking to you, the more information you're giving, Absolutely. they're searching these things. So they know your history. The longer you're on with them, the more believable it's going to be. That's why we tell people to just never, never engage. <laughs> Rob, you really drive the point home when you, when in doubt, check it out. Exactly. And uh, always, uh, particularly if you work with an advisor, just tell the person on the other end of the phone, you know what, that sounds interesting. Let me call my advisor and share that with him or her. That's so usually it's a great always way to get, go to a third party. And you know what we always tell people is if you get one of these calls or texts promising a promotion, don't agree to anything over the phone. Even if you're interested, even if you think it may be real. You don't know who's on the other end if they called you. So what I want you to do is hang up and then call the number on the back of your bill or from an independent source and make sure you get any promotion like this in writing, Mm -hmm. right? You want it in writing. You want them to send something because so many times people fall for this because they're like, oh, I'd save money, but they use isolation and they use quickness, right? Oh, well, it's only available right now. You have to agree to it right now. That should be a big red flag because if there's a promotion running, it's going to run for a specific amount of time. It's not going to only be a 30-second promotion that you have to decide in 30 seconds. But the reality is you've got also another scam that we're seeing in our city and going nationwide is the Medicare call. I mean, now think about it. Here I am, you know, I'm that elder, back to what you're talking about, yeah. Rob, that senior citizen that's going through this process. Maybe they're not as tuned. You know, face it, they're not doing as much as they used to when they were 35. I mean, Tyler is, uh, never mind how old he is, and I am, how, never mind how old I am either. 28. But we're, <laughs> right, but, the, but there's a difference, and I would expect him to be able to do things faster than I do him, but actually he's not as fast as I am. I just, whatever, never mind, we're, we're off on a tangent here. <laughs> Reality is the, the difference, and so you find that person that's unsuspecting, and they right. get the call, and it's about Medicare. Now, you tell me, if you're calling me about Medicare, I'm... Most people would be listening. You're going to listen. And we get thousands of reports about this scam uh, coming from Medicare representatives. And all the scams start with a call that appears on your caller ID as Medicare. But they, it does have very variations of the scam. But regardless of the method, the scammer's goal is to steal your personal information. And real quick, two of the main calls that we get here in Memphis when people report this, and these are two versions, very quick versions of the scam. But when you pick up the phone, a Medicare impersonator offers you something for free, such as a back or a knee brace. And all you have to do is share some personal information, such as your social security number, to confirm your identity. In another version, scammers attempt to intimidate you by claiming there's a problem with your Medicare or your Social Security benefits. They may claim that there's been some suspicious activity on your account, and if you don't give them your information they need right away, you're in danger of losing your benefits or worse. Guys, Medicare does not call you. 
They never will. And they certainly don't threaten anything. But it can be really alarming. And, you know, when we talk to people, one of the number one things they say is why it was believable is because it popped up on their caller ID. As Medicare. As Medicare. And it's so important to understand that it is so easy to spoof caller ID. You can literally download a free app. Anybody can do it from a cell phone that can spoof your caller ID and say that you're calling from anywhere you want. So technology is... It, it makes it so believable. But so you just can't trust who's calling you. So our number one piece of advice is with this or with anything, if you didn't initiate contact, don't engage. If you think there may be something wrong with your Medicare, hang up the phone. You have no way of knowing who is really calling you. You call the number on the back of your Medicare card. It's 1-800-MEDICARE. Or if you can't remember that, you can call our office. We'll give you that number. We'll walk you through the process. But regardless of what they're saying, if they called you out of the blue, don't believe it. If you didn't initiate in contact, don't engage. Well, guys, this is so critical. I mean, from the tips that you said, the flags, isolation. I can say you talked about that, Scott, isolation. You talked about really the whole thought of going through this process of people, you know, they're, they're new people in their lives. Daniel, the young lady that's, that comes alongside this guy, nobody wants to admit that they've been scammed or they're being over, you know, being taken advantage of. Right. And so we kind of, we keep it silent. And that's the problem. That's why we do the show here. That's why we've covered the grad data as well as we have. And I want to thank you guys for that. I want to thank them again. They just did a great job. Greg Valier, of course, at the beginning, Dale Irwin, Robert Clement, Rob Clement, and Scott Jordan. Always do a great job. If you'd like to talk to any one of these guys, you can talk to Daniel at 759-1300, Better Business Bureau. And questions for Greg, Rob, or Scott, you can reach us at 901-757-5757. Again, Daniel, 759-1300. Ours number is 757-5757. You can find our show, Talk Money, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Search for Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker and subscribe to the podcast. We would appreciate it. These guys would appreciate it. Just simply, you get to listen to them again and more information than what you probably would like. But the key is it's important information. Next week, my guests, Jason Harrington and Scott Jordan, will be back with me. We're going to talk about financial wellness and investment pitfalls. Larry Lloyd and Anthony Branch will be here from the Memphis Leadership Foundation. We'll find out what's going on in that organization and the great things they've got planned for this year. That's Saturday morning at 7 a.m. and Sunday at 12 noon. Again, if you have questions, send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. That's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. I want to thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you being a part of our program. Remember, we are for you, helping you make the most of your money. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Scott Jordan are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FINRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Rob Clement is a registered representative of Securian Financial Services, Inc. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. Helping you make the most of your money. This has been Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker on News Talk 98.9.